Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Ryan is still on vacation. Well, actually, he's back, but we still gave him the day off so he can recover from driving and all those things. So I'm going to be doing the message today, too. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, it's a, it's a wild ride when you walk with God. And I'm not just saying that because that's the VBS theme. Like, that's just how I felt this week. I, um, I told God on Monday, I was like, because I still hadn't written anything. And I was like, God, I just need something easy because I'm too busy this week. I just, I need something to just, you know, come to me. And I found this old message on my computer that I had never gave. And so I started working on that, spent way too much time on it, and then I chucked it. And so Wednesday I wrote a second message, and so that's the one we're going with. So if you don't like it, take it up with God. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. And I, I was even so desperate on Tuesday, I, I said to my kids at lunch, like, what should I teach on at church? Like, if you were there, what would you want to hear on? And of course, you can imagine where this went. It went south real fast. The four-year-old said, I don't know. And then, you know, all the boys in the family were like, well, you could talk about how handsome your sons are and how great we are. So they're clearly not lacking any confidence, but they weren't really helping me with my message. So anyways, we're just going to jump into this. I have lots of scripture to cover today. Um, but John and I were talking before. It's, it's kind of funny how the worship sets sometimes line up with the message and you didn't plan it that way. So, you know, he was getting a word for communion about abiding he didn't see my message title till this morning, which is connecting to God. And so there's just, I feel like this thing in the air about being connected to God and what does that look like and what's in the way and how do we get there. And so that's what we're going to cover today. So I'd like to propose to you today, my main point is that your prayer life is the foundation of your connection to God. And so we're going to look at some scriptures as to why that is. So let's jump right in. Second Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, so that word ambassador, if you look at the worldly definition of it, if you Google it, it says it's an accredited, so an officially recognized or authorized, diplomat sent by a country as its official representation to another country. So we are ambassadors of heaven. Yes, we're ambassadors of the kingdom, and God has sent us to represent him, right? His, his ways, his laws. Um, and so appeal in that same scripture, if you look at the definition of that, is application to a higher court, amen, for the reversal of a decision of a lower court, right? So in life, we have diagnoses that come at us, diagnoses, decisions. We have circumstances that happen. There's laws that are enacted. And we as ambassadors get to appeal heaven and make it line up with his kingdom. Okay, so that's what we're entitled to is sons and daughters. You're meant to walk in that recognition, uh, that authority that God has given you um, to fulfill his purposes. And I, I would like to also propose that we as his sons and daughters are not just these little puppets, right? But he gave us free will. He gave us choice. He wants to be our friends. He wants to partner. Um, we're his sons and daughters. We're not just, you know, slaves or, or puppets. And I want to propose to you that God sometimes changes his mind based on what we request, what we pray about. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about because you say, well, God is sovereign. He knows how it's going to turn out. But if you've ever traveled somewhere and gone from point A to point B, there's multiple ways to get there, right? And so even though it might begin and end the same, the path that you take or how quickly something happens could be based on something you've prayed about or somebody else has prayed for you. And so let's look at a couple things in the Bible where God changes his mind. In Exodus 32 
verses 9 through 10, we, we've got Moses and God going back and forth here. And this is God speaking first. He says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. They're stubborn. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Right? So God's mad. He's just freed these people and they're acting dumb. <laughs> and so he's, he's angry and he wants to, to destroy them. And then in Mo, um, Exodus 32, 12, this is what Moses says to God. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. I mean, what a bold statement to make is to the ruler and creator of the universe, right? But hey, God, calm down for a second. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your promise, your chosen people. And so in Exodus 32, 14, it says, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Right? Moses changed his mind. Moses prayed. He had a conversation with him, and he changed his mind. So can a small group, can one person, can a small group of wild people that know who they are, that know they're a son and daughter, know what they're entitled to, can we influence a city, a state, a country for God? Right? Let's look at another example. This is um, Jesus. It's in John 2, verses 3 through 5. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Just do whatever he tells you. Right? Can you imagine this conversation between son and mom? Right? There was a different time that Jesus was thinking about doing his first miracle. It wasn't at the wedding. It was some other time. And his mom was like, no, no, we're, we're going to move this up. I'm making a request for you to do your miracle now. And you might say, well, that's not really prayer. But who's Jesus? Fully God, right? And so she's having a conversation with not only her son, but the son of God. And that's all prayer is. It's just a conversation. Prayer changes things. James 4, 2. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So the sovereign creator in all his wisdom decided he wanted to partner with us, right? He wants us to declare and decree and ask and petition for the things, for the world we want to see, for the kingdom we want to live in. And it implies in this verse that you have things in existence because you prayed and you have things not in existence because you haven't asked for them yet. There's power. You have access to it. I heard this in a, well, most of this I heard in a message. Um, but once you hear it, it becomes your message, so it's fine. Um, this guy said, you know, what if Jesus walked into the room, sat down next to you, and said, okay, in three seconds, I'm going to give you everything that you've asked for in the last 48 hours. What would you get? Some of you would get big, fat nothing, because you haven't talked to him in 48 hours, right? It's like, ooh. Some of you would get that new house, the new job, the car you've been praying about. And some of you crazy intercessors out there are getting some real wild things that you've been praying about because you know who you are and you know what you have access to. You can boldly come before God. He wants to partner with you. Prayer changes things. Are we being intentional with our prayers? Are we partnering with him? All right, so why don't we pray more? Let's talk about five things that can hinder, that can get in your way of your prayer life. Number one. Impatience. You want something right now, right? This is the culture we live in. We want it right now. We need it right now. We're used to having access to it. You can get the news right now. You can go shopping right now on your phone. Some of you could be shopping right now. I don't know. 
You can do your banking on your phone. Um, you don't want to cook dinner? Just drive through the drive-thru and get it, right? You want it right now. And so we apply that to our faith or our prayer requests, right? Um, we're not going to read Hebrews 11, but if you look at Hebrews 11, sometimes it's referred to as the hall of faith. But there's all these greats of the Bible in there. And it says that they didn't receive what they were promised, but they're considered great because of their faith. Right? And there's this idea that prayer is sowing and reaping. And sometimes you sow, 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 and you don't reap what you think you're going to, but maybe the next generation does. And so there's this idea that we need to get used to the sowing and reaping. Now, I'm not saying God can't do it, because he can. He can change anything in an instant. If you've never accepted Jesus, he can come into your heart. You can get the warm, fuzzy feelings. Like, those things are possible. But we also, in our impatient culture, need to learn how to sow and reap and be, and be okay with being patient. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So the practical advice here is to quit looking for the result and let your satisfaction and contentment be in the sowing, be in his presence, being with him. If you get up every day and you have quiet time with the Lord, that's enough. doesn't mean your, your, your prayers all have to be answered the way you want them to. Number two, distraction. Your attention is easily diverted. Matthew 26, 41 says this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if you've accepted Jesus, you've accepted Holy Spirit, you've invited him into your heart to reside here, right? Little S is in here, big Holy Spirit, but you have a spirit man inside you, right? And that's where Jesus resides. And that's all, your spirit is always willing to pray, it's ready. But it's the flesh side of you that you have to fight. Right? Your soul contains your mind, will, and emotions. And sometimes you've got to get your mind, will, and emotions to get on board. You've got to wake them up. It's like that song that we sing. Come on, my soul, don't you get chummy. Right? You're reminding yourself. David in the Psalms is constantly reminding himself to pray and to have joy. Because sometimes we do get stuck. We get stuck in our emotions. We get stuck in our head. And we have to say, come on, soul, get it together. Wake up. Right? Now, I'm not saying that sometimes when you're praying, like, you know, Something that pops into your mind might be Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to remember this. I want you to pray into this. I want you to call this person. So sometimes distractions like that of, of where you weren't planning to go are good. Now, if it's your grocery list popping into your mind, that may be a distraction. So just jot it down and get back to what you're doing. So how do we fight the distractions? The practical advice here is to proactively put on the armor of God every day. If you read Ephesians 6, You've got those um, armor pieces, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, all those. I want to specifically hone in on verse 18, though, because this may be new for some of you. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Right? So there's that warning again to be alert, Right? Your flesh is weak, but your spirit is willing, so be alert, pay attention, put on your armor. Now, praying in the spirit is, you may have heard it called praying in tongues. It's just a private prayer language. Yours might sound different than somebody else's, but for me, when I'm having an off day or my mind, will, and emotions won't get over themselves and get out of the way, I can start praying in my prayer language, my, my tongues, and it'll kickstart something. Plus, your spirit always knows what you need, and so... 
even if, you know, especially on the prayer line, if we're praying for somebody and we're like, oh, I'm not getting anything. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Sometimes it's just, you just take a minute and you just pray in your prayer language. And then it's like, okay, now I'm connected and now we're going to go for it. It's nothing to be afraid of. It, they're just, it's just a private prayer language. And the more you do it, the more you get used to it, the more you like it. Um, so if you don't have tongues and you want tongues, you want a prayer language, um, just ask God for it because he's a good God and uh, he'll give you gifts. So be alert, use your prayer language, put on that armor, and it'll help with the distractions. Third thing, pride. You think you know everything. Now, how many of you, when you were like 18 to 30, knew more than you know now, right? Like, but we're not getting dumber, we're just getting wiser, right? We know that we don't know everything. And so there's this, this thing that we just have to be humble, and we have to constantly ask ourselves, are we humble? And have those people in your lives that you give permission to, to say, hey, you know, I'm feeling this. Is that, is that accurate or is it not accurate? And, and let them speak into you. And um, I, I think one of the greatest things that teaches humbleness is getting married. Not Ben and I, of course. We don't have any problems. Um, but, you know, you, you've not lived with anybody but your own family for a long time. And then you, you go and you marry this person and you're just like, oh, it's going to be so great. Everything's new. And, we're, you know, we're just so in love. And then you just find out how annoyed you are by all these little habits that they have, right? Not Ben. Ben doesn't have any annoying habits, and neither do I. But other people, other people outside this room. So then you finally get that worked out, and then you have a baby. And then you throw a baby in the mix. And uh, that's a whole new level of humility, right? And then you have, like, three more. So, <laughs> so but no, we, we have to stay humble. We have to stay novices. Because as soon as you think you've figured it out, just forget it. Because you just, you just haven't. And um, well, one of the other things we really have to be careful of is you know, we all have, I mean, the people in this room are among the top, probably 1% um, in the world with wealth. And some of us don't feel very wealthy. I don't feel very wealthy. Um, but when you compare us to other people, we are very wealthy. We have access to things that people can't even dream about. And so, you know, we have coffee shops and we have running water. I mean, we just have, we have options. We have lots and lots of options, right? And I think sometimes we just, you know, we build this nice little kingdom around ourselves. It doesn't take much faith. You know, we go get coffee when we want to comfort us. And, um, you know, we take a bath when we want. I mean, whatever it is for you. You go shopping on Amazon whenever you want. And you've just got this little, you know, this bubble of, of comforting things. And you just don't think you need prayer. Right? Because I got all these things that comfort me. And so we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that we need prayer? All right. All right. Number four, wounds from prayers that God did not answer can hinder your prayer life. I think we would all say that this is a hindrance, um, but I think sometimes we get stuck here without even knowing, right? This is life. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes things get hard. You have a death of a loved one. You lose a child. Somebody gets sick. Maybe you have abuse in your past. Your marriage blew up. So the question is, what do you do when tragedy, tragedy and trauma strike? What do you do when they come? Is it going to crumble you because you haven't had this connection to God? Or are you going to be able to move forward? Um, my husband was uh, interviewing for a job last year. And he was, we were both super excited for it, that all the interviews, because you have to take like 500 interviews now for a job, um, all these interviews were going really well. And he had this one, I think it was on a Friday. Um, and the, you know, multiple people on this call were like, he's got my vote. So, I mean, we were just like, yes, this is going to happen. It's going to be great. 
And they called like on a Tuesday and they're like, oh, we're not moving forward. And that's all they said. They don't give feedback anymore. They don't like tell you why or if we can improve on anything. They're just like, no. And so we were both really disappointed because we just thought this is, you know, the way God was leading. And, um, and it's always harder on the guys because they just, they just want to provide for their families, right? And you're there, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week. And so it would be nice if it was a nice environment, you know, for most of the time. Not that we're not thankful for his current job. We are. Um, But this was just a new opportunity. And so um, fast forward, I think it was January or February, and that company had completely shut down. And so it was provision. It was protection. And God had totally spared us a a heartache, a really hard heartache. Um, And so what felt like a wound in that season, um, what felt like a hardship, we had to choose in that season are we going to trust that God's timing and provision and protection are good? And are we going to walk this out? Or are we going to wallow and just be depressed and everything? And I'm not saying it was easy, but that's what you have to remind yourself of. Because in a couple months, it was like, oh, that's what you were doing, God. Right? So what are you going to do when trauma and tragedy or the answers to your prayers don't come? Or you don't get them in your time? It's not because he isn't good. He is perfect all the time. All the time. But sometimes the world or things we can't see are in the way or it's his protection. It's, it's, we have to shift our perspective. So if you know you have wounds that you haven't healed from, you got to get them fixed. Get with somebody. Get them fixed. Go to counseling. Christian counseling, I might add. <laughs> I really think Christian counseling is wonderful. I think it's dangerous to look at your past without Jesus. I'm sure there are wonderful secular counselors out there. I'm not trying to talk them down. But Christian counselors will bring Jesus in so that that truth is coming into those dark situations that you're trying to heal from. It's dangerous to look at your past without Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, right? The reality is, is that God is more real than the chairs you're sitting in. It's hard for our brains to comprehend that, but it's true, right? Your spirit knows that's true, even if your brain is is struggling. If you think of the story of uh, Mary, Martha, and Jesus, right? They're all really good friends. These are Jesus's close, Lazarus too. They're just, they're just a group, And they say, Jesus, Jesus, come quick, he's dying. And, you know, Jesus was like, he's not going to die today. And they're like, no, Jesus, he's he's really on his way. This is bad. Like, you've got to get here. And he's just like, nope, we're good. Because he's living in this unseen reality. He is anchored to the one who has all the answers, right? Tragedy and trauma don't change the nature of God. It's our perspective that has to change. So get those wounds healed up. All right, the fifth thing that can hinder your prayer life, fear. You're afraid of his answer, right? There's lots of different types of fear, but this one really pertains to things that you're afraid he's going to ask to lay down, right? You're afraid that he's going to ask you to change something. You're afraid he's going to ask you to give something up, right? So for a, a few years, several years now, I was the director of our homeschool community, and we met here, and it was a small community you know, we averaged five to seven families each year. Um, but they were just, it was just a close-knit community. We all kind of had the same values. Our kids all got along. It was just this beautiful 
community of people. We did play dates. Or, we, just, we just did life together. And um, this past year, I was just really feeling the strain of this is too much with everything else in my life. It's like I have the worship and the church stuff. I've got leading the, the directing the homeschool thing. I've got to still homeschool my own kids. Like there's just, and run a household. There's just too many things that I'm in charge of. And so it was, I was praying to God and I was like, I, I need to lay something down, but I don't know what to lay down. And I just couldn't decide. And I just felt like God was like, just pick one and I'll bless it. And I'm like, no, I can't decide. I just can't do it. Um, and, and in his mercy, the campus just kind of, I don't want to say fell apart because it was, there was all intentional choices and they were good choices. We had one family move back to Alaska to be with family and there was another family that just decided to go to a different kind of classical school and there was another family that was going to do a different homeschooling. But we're all still friends. Nobody's mad at each other. It was just this season of life where we all had to kind of go separate ways and do separate things. And, but it was in his mercy that that was kind of chosen for me. But it wasn't because I, I, I think, it wasn't because I wasn't willing to lay something down. I was asking him, what do I lay down? Um, and then he just kind of made it happen. But I would like to propose to you that that tension never leaves. It's not like if you walk with Jesus for 20 years, it's like, oh, it's so easy to make decisions now. Yep, I'll lay that down. And yes, I'll walk through this door. And yes, I'll do this ministry, but not that one. It's not like it gets like that. Because he's always going to, when you walk in obedience to God, he's always going to ask you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. And if he doesn't, you're not doing it right. <laughs> right? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So, you know, some people I think think, oh, if I make more money, it's going to be easy to tithe then. Well, no, because what if he asks you to give more money above a regular 10% tithe? Or what if you create this really amazing business and you're making all kinds of money and he's like, okay, time to lay that down now. I want you to go be a missionary or something. Like, it's just, it's, he's always, there's always that tension, so be used to it. Okay, so we've had these hindrances. Let's kind of jump to the other side for just a second. Matthew seven twenty one says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So there's this implication here that we can be used in ministry and we can pray for people on the prayer line and see them get free, right? And he can still say, I don't know you. Oh, that's the fear of the Lord right there. And it's not, a, it's not a guilt or shame kind of fear. It's this, I don't want to be disconnected from you, Jesus. I want to be your friend first. I want to be your son or daughter first and not just somebody who does ministry things. Right? Uh, Matthew 6 um, is where the Lord tells us how to pray. Right? Because we've got all these hindrances. Now how do we get rid of them? Well, we pray. We stay connected. We have this conversation with him. So he tells us in Matthew 6 how to pray. We're not going to look at it. If you've been around the church at any point in your life, our Father who art in heaven, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay? Now, around that prayer, so that prayer, that prayer is verses 8 through 13. Around that prayer, before and after, there's context and nuggets um, also regarding prayer and how we stay connected. So we're going to look at some of those. Also, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So the four characteristics of a person that know God. 
So they are connected, right? They have relationship. Four characteristics. First one, you have a deep desire to be alone with God. If you don't desire to get in his presence, you need to come to the prayer team after service. <laughs> no, you should have this desire. You should have this want to be with him and to see what he has to say, right? You will give times to the things that are most important to you, right? How much Netflix do you watch? How many, how many TV shows do you watch a week, right? If you like to read books, you make time to read books. So if he's important to you, you will make time to spend with him. Does your prayer time get the best of you or what's left? Jesus was intentional about getting away with his father. If you read the Gospels, he's constantly going off to be with the father. He has plenty to do. There is plenty of people he could pray for. There are plenty of conversations he could have with the disciples. But he makes sure he's intentional about getting away with his father. Luke 6, 12 says this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Spent the night. I don't know if he fell asleep. I would like to think that he did because I don't know that I've ever stayed up all night to pray. But it doesn't tell us. But the point is, is he was intentional. Okay, second characteristic of a person that knows God. You know the secret place is the most important place. I love that the secret place came up in that last song John sang. We didn't plan that. It just came up today. So that's always cool. Okay, so this is the part that I was talking about before. So Matthew 6, Lord's Prayer. There's little nuggets around it that talk about the secret place. This is what this phrase shows up three times. It says, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Not up here on the stage, not at work. What is done in secret? Let's look at these. Matthew 6, verses 3 through 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for the love, for the love. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Yeah, for the love. Don't be like a hypocrite. All right. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When these things are repeated, we got to pay attention. Okay, now this last one is after the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 17 through 18. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. So don't go around bragging, oh, I'm starving, I'm on a fast, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, no, just be normal, go about your business. But only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What you do in private matters to God. It's not how you serve. It's not how we lead worship up here. It's not how many times you volunteer per month, although we think all those things are great. <laughs> but it's what you do in your own time. And I'm not saying it has to be in your house, so please don't hear that. You could have your own little prayer closet on your way to work in the morning. If you've got 30 minutes, you've got a 30-minute drive, you've got a 15-minute drive. Turn off the radio, turn off the news, which is depressing anyways, and just talk to God. Now, I will caution. I think sometimes we get involved with religious activities and we come to church on Sundays because it's a corporate gathering and we feel safe and, you know, volunteering makes us feel good because we've done something good uh, for the week. But I would caution you, are, are, those, are you doing that because you want to feel good about yourself? Do you have some kind of shame, guilt, and condemnation that you're trying to offset? 
Because when you feel shame, guilt, and condemnation, you won't go to God. Right? If you've got those things running in your head like, oh, if, if people only knew what I was dealing with, or God is mad at me, or God would never talk to me, that's, that's the enemy whispering to you. Right? Satan is the accuser, and he says, oh, no, you can't do that. You're no good. You've got all these problems. You're a failure at this, blah, blah, blah. He's the accuser, and God says, no. No. When I look at you, my son and my daughter, you have been purified. You have been bought and paid for with the blood of my son, Jesus. And I don't see any of that sin anymore. I see Jesus when I'm looking at you. So if you've got those lies running through your head, come see our prayer team. Come get with a friend. Go get a sozo. Get rid of that stuff. It is hindering you from with being with God. All right. Number three. Almost there. You walk in faith and you're covered in peace. You ever just meet those people that are just like, God is good, it's all going to work out, and you just never see them. I'm not saying that they never do, but they just have this peace about them because they know who their dad is and they know he has all the answers. The leader of our prayer ministry, Rose Gebhard, is one of, one of these people. She just walks in peace. She just knows who she is. She knows who her dad is. And there ain't nothing you're going to throw at her that is going to mess up her faith. She just knows. And we are so thankful for her. All right. Matthew 6. Yep. Yeah. He's a good father. Matthew 6. Okay, I'm not going to read this whole thing for time's sake. But this is the verse where it's talking about how God takes care of the birds in the air, right? The Father feeds them. They don't sow or reap. They don't have to do all these crazy things. He just feeds them, right? And then it's talking about flowers and, and you know, God clothes the grass of the field, all that good stuff. All right, so let's jump down uh, to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay? And this is, again, it's still Matthew 6. And if you remember the Lord's Prayer, you know, in the beginning it says, Our Father, who art in heaven. We're praising God, right? And then we're praying for his kingdom to come here. The end is about, you know, forgive us our sins. And in the middle of that prayer it says, Just give us today. Give us our daily bread, right? We don't need to worry about tomorrow and the next. I'm not saying don't be a planner. I'm a planner. I like to have a plan. But don't stay stuck and worry. Right? Seek him first. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. A lot of you are just praying for, well, maybe not the people in this room. The people out there are just praying for provision, right? God, just, I need this and I need that. And if you could just give me this. And we're just stuck in this constant prayer for provision. But it's not out of knowing who we are. It's out of fear and anxiety. Right? We're afraid. And if you are trying to pray for something out of fear and anxiety, you're going to get stuck there. You're not going to be able to hear his answer because you're just stuck in something that you weren't meant to be stuck in. You need to lay that stuff down. God, help me lay that down. Show me where you've provided in the past. Show, remind me how you're going to provide. Go get somebody else to pray with you. Don't get stuck there. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your cares, in some translations it says burdens, on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now, this doesn't mean when you go to work and your boss says, I need this project completed. It doesn't mean, well, I'm not doing that. It says, cast my cares, cast my burdens. No, no. It means that you've come into this awareness that his peace 
is accessible to you in any circumstance. You have to learn to wait on him and to trust and to know what that peace feels like and how to go get it. If you've lost your peace, Jesus, where did I lose my peace? Can you show me where I dropped it and deal with that so that I can have my peace back? Matthew 6, 33, 34. I just read this. Um, Do not worry about tomorrow or tomorrow will worry about itself. This doesn't mean... If I do the right things, right things will happen to me. We're not preaching karma here. (laughs) It's about knowing who you are and aligning yourself with him, getting his identity, right? I look like him because he chose to go to the cross so that I can look like him. We have to align our perspectives to him and then everything else just falls away. If you get in his presence... And you stare at his face. You look into his eyes. Everything else just goes away. And you have the things you need. And you have the peace to get you throughout the day. All right. We're going to wrap this up. Matthew 26. I'm not going to read this whole thing just for time's sake. But you can read it later. Um, It starts in kind of verse 38. Goes through 46. But this is where Jesus knows what's coming. He's about to go to the cross. Um, And, you know, he goes... The first verse, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Right? Jesus is, Jesus, he is Jesus. God, is there any other way that we can go around this plan? Is there, is there plan B? And if you read it, you know, God says no. But Jesus asked three different times. And God says, no, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. And Jesus says, okay. The fourth characteristic of a person that knows God, you know submission to God is more important than the answered prayer. God, Jesus, as God, Jesus didn't get his answer that he wanted but he submits anyway because he knows his father is good and he knows what's best. And he's good, he knows that it's all going to work out. Hebrews 5, 7 kind of gives a glimpse into that, which I've never really noticed before. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. It's not about the outcome, it's about God, it's about his presence. Right? Jesus didn't get it answered. God, let's do something else. Let's do something else without the cross. And God says, No. And Jesus says, Okay. Because it's not about what we want, it's not about our prayer requests, but it's about being in relationship with him, coming to him. Sometimes he changes his mind. Sometimes we get our prayers answered, absolutely. And sometimes we don't, and we need to learn to be okay with that. He's not a vending machine. (laughs) He's a good father. Your prayer life is your connection point to God. Yes, pray. Yes, ask. Yes, petition. All those things. But get happy with the sowing. You may not reap the benefits, but the generation after you might. 
He sent his son for us to encounter. And if that's all that happened, it would be enough because we're going to have eternity to figure it all out and to get to know all the facets of him. He is enough. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are enough. We thank you for your presence today, Jesus. God, I pray that whatever I said that was of you would stick and the rest would just fall away. God, I pray that you would open spirits today to hunger for you, to hunger for your, your presence. God, that we've taken some of the mystery out of prayer and just open eyes that this is just a conversation with you. You just want to be with us, God. You just love us so much. And that's why you sent your son, because you just want to be with us. You didn't want anything else in the way. You wanted no other obstacles, no other curtains, no nothing. We can come straight to you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your submission. <laughs> thank you that even though you didn't get the answer you wanted, you saw that it was good, and you willingly went to that cross. God, you could have said no. Jesus, you had a choice, and you chose to die and, and rise again so that we could have this relationship with you. Thank you for that. Father, I pray for the hearts and minds in this room. God, that we just plead the blood of Jesus over them. That this would just be a week of radical encounters with you, God. God, in your mercy, would you show us answers in your truth to trauma, to situations, Jesus? Would you give us what we need, the tools we need to get through any trauma and tragedy, Jesus, if there's anything in our lives that we just feel stuck in, would you show us what we need to do? Maybe that's just quiet time with you. Maybe we need somebody else to walk us through it. Maybe we need to call that Christian counselor we've been thinking about, God, and really just dive in and work through things. God, would you give us that wisdom, those tools? Would you give us the courage to say yes? God, I bind the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. It has no place in these believers' hearts and minds. Would you make us a strong people, a whole people, a free people? God, that we would know who you are, that we would know who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King who will not be shaken. We love you, Jesus. <laughs> I could keep going, guys, but I'm going to let you go. We love you, Jesus. <laughs> we love you. Amen. 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 All right. I hope you all have a wonderful week. If you need any prayer, we'll have uh, people over here. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.